Well, what a delight it is to be at Thrive. I always feel when I come here that I'm going to thrive. Turn to somebody and say, we're thriving. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is great. And if you're wondering about my wife and I, uh, you know, we actually um, started becoming friends when, uh, when we were about five years old. So, uh, you know, then we got married a couple of years later. <laughs> well, more than a couple of years. But we've been married uh, a good uh, length of time, and we've had a very interesting life. It's taken us to many nations of the world and to meet all kinds of people and all stratas of society. And um, in a, just not long from now, we're going to be going to Ottawa, and uh, they were going to be meeting with some senators and, uh, and uh, one of the future ongoing leaders of Canada. And um, so uh, we're, we're grateful for the great opportunities. Uh, another little date is, uh, that I have on my list in, on a global sense is that I'm going to be in Africa again, uh, this time in Malawi. <clears throat> and then... Uh, a little bit later in Dubai, uh, we're kind of looking forward to that. It's going to be a different experience uh, dealing with some churches, actually, in Dubai and, uh, and also uh, a college ministry, which uh, wherein people are going to be graduating and so on. <clears throat> so we have the honor of uh, challenging leaders to get out into the world in many different sectors in different places. So God has been good to us, and we're very, very, very excited about the plans that God has in store. But Thrive is always a high point for us. It really is. You people are awesome people. Uh, you've got a great vision here. Pastor JB and Shar and Bradley are such great, great people, great friends, and uh, challenge us in the things of God. And so, um, yeah, we're together in this. And uh, so today, um, well, I just want to say one other thing. When we, when we talk about amen, you know, amen means I agree. But it actually means more than that. When you say amen, you are actually incorporating into your life everything that has just been said. It's a very deep expression. Sometimes I say, well, it's just amen, shouting out, uh, yeah, I agree, that sounds good, that's what everybody's doing, so I'll say it. But actually, when you say it out of sincerity in your life, you're actually ingesting that word, and it becomes part of you to be strong so that you live in the grace of that word. And uh, so in the coming days, when you say amen, say it often because you want all the grace you can get. So you agree with the word that has been spoken and, and you ingest that into your life and you say that's, that's, what, that's what I'm having and that's what's going to happen from this time on, this day forward in my life. So I like amen churches, uh, churches that, you know, say amen because you know something is going to happen beyond what was spoken. And it's very powerful. It's very powerful. It's launching you into the purposes of God. It is launching you into the promises that have been spoken 
so that you actually become strong in the Lord and in the power of his might as a result of agreeing. Agree, agreeing is very, very powerful. Uh, Jesus said, if two shall agree as touching anything, it shall happen. Guess what happens when an entire church agrees? I mean, things like what happened with Peter getting out of prison. I mean, you know, the church was in prayer, standing in agreement for Peter when he was in prison. And guess what? You know, the prison doors flung open, and he walked out of there. And, I mean, uh, there was a great, great victory. And so believe for those things. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's do it a little better. Let's do it one more time. Amen. There we go. That's getting strong. So this morning we're dealing with the God and me experience. And I want to I refer to one, one verse before I get into the, the message this morning. And it's, uh, it's in the high priestly prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17, where Jesus says, because it's written in red in your Bible if you have a red letter edition. And this is life eternal. You want to know what life eternal is all about? Well, when, when, when you do this, you're in life eternal. It says, and this is life eternal, that they may know thee, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, who you have sent. So knowing Jesus Christ and knowing God is actually jumping into the stream of eternal life. You're starting into eternal life and meaning that you're going to live forever. You know, Dr. Billy Graham passed away this, this week. And he's, one of his statements, one of his life statements was, if you hear that Billy Graham has died, don't believe that for one moment. He says, after I die, I will be more alive than I ever was. Isn't that great? And you see, when you become a believer, you, drum, you jump into the, the stream of eternal life, and you start living a life that is eternal, eternally exciting. Exciting now, of course, but eternal life is operating in your life uh, to prepare you and to engage you and to launch you into a life that's forever. Ah, what a life this Christian life is. Turn to somebody and say, what a life this Christian life is. What a life it is. It's an exciting life. Uh, I'm not just living for time. I'm living forever. I'm going to live for eternity. I was, I was once uh, speaking at a conference in Europe, <clears throat> and uh, I was, you know, on, on the lighter side of things. I said, you know, I've, I've thought, you know, maybe... Uh, I might just live a long life here, you know, maybe be like Moses, live 120 years or whatever, and, and uh, you know, that would be great. And I said, how many of you want to live 120 years? And one, one fellow piped up. He says, I don't want to live 120 years. He said, I want to live forever. <laughs> and, and he was right. You know, living our lives uh, for eternity is really where it's at. And so when we speak of the God and me experience, we are speaking about our relationship with God who is a spirit. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You see, the natural man does not receive or understand the things of the spirit, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. 
uh, they, they just see things from the framework of time and the temporal and what is seen. Uh, the, the Bible says the things that are, 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 are not seen are eternal. The things that we see with our eyes like this, you know, the things that are around us, the chairs you're sitting on and so on, and, and even the people you're seeing, their bodies are not forever. Our bodies are not forever. The things which we see with our eyes are temporal. But the things which are unseen with the natural eyes are eternal. And so God has given unto us eternal life. Those of us who we believe on Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. And our eyes are opened. And that's what it is to be born again. When you're born again, you begin to see. You begin to see what you haven't seen before. Uh, Jesus in John chapter 3 talked about, about being born again. Except a person is born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God They're, because their eyes are blinded to that. You can see the natural world. You can see the kingdoms of this world. You can see buildings. You can see all those things. But you cannot see into the realm that God has created that is spiritual. And there's a spiritual realm that is very, very, very real. Remember Elijah and, and, and his servant, uh, the, they uh, had the enemy encroaching upon them, and all they could see, you know, the servant, all, all he could see was the, the, the natural enemy, the soldiers, etc. And uh, the prophet prayed, Lord, open his eyes that he might see. And he saw, and there were an innumerable company of angels. You see, there's a whole other realm. There, there, there are angels here this morning. Hello. They are, are. There, there are ministering spirits that are about us. You know, some people say, oh, the demons are in the world. Yes, there are demons in our world today. There are evil spirits that are operating, and we can't see them with our natural eyes. But in the spirit, many times servants of the Lord and believers, they discern and they see that there are spirits operative that are evil, that are at work. And, and God opened our eyes to the spiritual realm. So in order to see this, Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And he also says he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Uh, we can't enter into that realm until we are born spiritually or we are born the second time. That's why at the service even this morning, I know at the end, there'll be an opportunity for you to open your heart to receive Jesus Christ, which gives you an entrance into that kingdom. Come on now, can you say amen? So when you, when you receive Christ, it gives you an entrance into that kingdom, and then you begin to perceive, you begin to see, and, and that spirit operates within you, that is the spirit of God, and then you begin to understand the things of the Spirit. It's not strange. You understand it. There's another world out there. It's a spiritual world. And uh, many times over the years, I heard Dr. Billy Graham talk about this when he preached about how there is another world. There's a spiritual world. We must be born again. Unless we are born again, we don't enter into eternal life. We don't enter into the kingdom. And so this is a very, very, very important message. We, we all want to be there. We all want to participate in that. Can you say amen this morning? Job chapter 22, verse 21. 
as we know, and I'm going to refer to this in my message, Job went through deep experiences in his life, but in the middle of the book, he made this statement, and it was this. Acquaint yourself with him. And he's speaking about God. Acquaint yourself with him and be at peace, peace and thereby good shall come to you. There's all kinds of people wanting good to come to them. People buy lottery tickets so that good will come to them. I once uh, was standing at a counter at a Mohawk station, gas station. I watched a man peel out over $300 for lottery tickets. I thought, oh, my Lord, $300. Just threw away $300. Because, you know, about one in a billion chances of, of the, that happening that you will uh, win. It's uh, very, very risky to even think that you will, you will win. But people, you know, they're, they're looking for good to come to them. Some will go to fortune tellers. Some will, you know, will read different things in order... If I read and find out my, you know, birthday and how that aligns with whatever, then maybe good will come to me. But Job had it right. He says, acquaint yourself with God and be at peace, and good will come to you. Turn to somebody and say, good will come to you. There's a chance, there is not just a chance, there is a guarantee that good will come to you when you acquaint yourself with God. So important that we become acquainted with God. Prepare to meet God. You know, Solomon in his life uh, had many pursuits. Uh, The life of Solomon was not a dull life. Uh, uh, From a natural standpoint, he pursued many things. He pursued pleasure and laughter and wisdom and works of all sorts. And this man had vineyards. You you talk about a guy who lived it up. I mean, on every side of natural things, he had it going for him. Uh, He had vineyards and gardens and orchards and fruits. Yeah, I mean, just that experience alone of to immerse yourself in all of that. And, and then he had pools of water and trees and servants and maidens and all kinds of cattle. I have a friend who, who imports cattle. He, he's a very wealthy farmer in central Canada. And, um, and he, uh, yeah, has some of these very unique breeds of cattle from Switzerland and different parts of the world. 
And he takes great pleasure in having these cows. He actually even puts life insurance on these, these cows because they're so expensive. Can you imagine putting a life insurance policy on your dog? You know, I mean, this is, this is the way some people live their lives. Well, Solomon had all that kind of stuff going. He had cattle of all kinds. He had silver. He had gold. He had treasures coming to him from other kings because they honored him. It seems when, when a person gets honor, you know, honor just keeps flowing toward them, and they get more and more and more honor. He didn't need gifts, but they gave him gifts. Amazing life he had. He had singers of men and women. Great singers around him. Who knows? He maybe had choirs and, and different kinds of bands happening. And who knows what, all, all the music that they had going at that time. I said in the first service, I like to go to Tom Lee music. I, I had a little musician in my background. And uh, and uh, did a little singing and all that kind of stuff. And music still interests me. And when our grandchildren come, some of our grandchildren are becoming musicians and so on. I take them to Tom Lee Music and they look at all the new stuff that's there. And, and uh, yeah, very, very, very interesting. Well, Solomon had all that stuff going for him, all of it. And, uh, and he had all kinds of things that were just increasing more and more. And it, and it went on to this in the natural. Whatever his, his eyes desired, he got it. He said, I desire that. I'm going to have it. Amazing. He said, my, my heart did not keep back from any joy. But then, because there wasn't a God involvement in this, it was just a, just a natural thing, he ended up in a... Very forlorn situation. He said, I looked at all of this, and all of this was vanity. You know, you can play around with all this stuff and enjoy all the things of this life, and, but, but the joys of it are just brief, and they're fleeting, and they're not fully satisfying. Because only when, it's only when God is at the center of everything that we have and own and do that we really have real enjoyment. Otherwise, there's an emptiness about it. You know, driving that, you know, that Jaguar or, you know, that BMW or whatever, you know, it really isn't fulfilling if God's not in the car. Come on now. How many of you want God riding in your car? I do. Uh, knowing that God's at the center of your life and whatever you're driving, you're happy because God's there. It can be just a... Toyota, you know, Echo or whatever. And you're happy. You're fulfilled. Happier than the guy who's driving the Jag. Come on now. How could that be, some of you say? It can be. Because God's the one that gives us a fulfilling life. And he went on to say that wisdom is madness. And, of course, he's known as the wisest man of the world. And wisdom is madness. And he went on to say... I hated life. Can you imagine a guy like Solomon has everything? I mean, he's got everything going from all the gold, all the silver. I mean, the, 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 the gold was as, as plenteous as, uh, you know, as, as, as could be around the land when he was there. And he says, I hated life because he says, I'm just going to end up giving it to somebody else after me anyway. I'm going to die and it's going to go on. Who in the world is going to grab this stuff and have it? after I'm gone. Very depressing. Very depressing. You see, if God is not in our pursuits, there is absolutely no real fulfillment. No real fulfillment. 
This man called Job, we're going to go back to him. At the beginning of his story of his life, he has so much. He has seven sons and three daughters, 7,000 sheep, 1,000 oxen, 500 donkeys. That's, that's quite, a, quite a lot of uh, animals to have parked in your backyard. Very great household. And he was considered the greatest man in the East. Then come the trials and the losses. And in the midst of his loss, something deeper is going to take place in his life. Trouble in life is what drives people to real meaning. So it's what it's intended to do. Trouble should, should not make us bitter. Trouble should make us better. Uh, trouble should drive us toward God and say, God, I need you. And, you know, the, there's a song there that says, there's got to be more. We need to go deeper with God in our trials and in our troubles. And Job gets an understanding about the God and me experience in his trials and in his difficulties. He is acquainting himself with God. And he's finding that there is a place that we can come to in the midst of everything, regardless of what's happening around us, that we can find rest and we can find satisfaction in our soul. No matter what we go through in life, in the, in the end, what is most important is about what is going on between God and and me. That is the God and me experience. Job got the message amid all that was happening. He said, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the latter day he shall stand on the earth. He will, God will help me out of all that I'm in. You know, if I find him and everything else is lost, I have gained. I have gained just by finding God. He found more than a revelation of help. He found God. You see, help is important, but God is more important than help. We really need God in our lives. We really need God in our lives. And Job became very, very personal with God. And in this, he said, I know that my Redeemer lives. That was part of the revelation that came. I know that my Redeemer. And then the last day, he will stand here on the earth. Job became very personal with God. In chapter 42, verse 5, he said, I have heard of you with the hearing of my ears. There's a lot of people that have heard about God. You know, they've heard the name God, they've heard about God, they have certain perceptions of God, or they have a perception of a God, a different, different types of gods, and so on. But Job said, I have heard of you, and that's what a lot of people have had. They've had that kind of... But then in chapter 42, he said, my eyes now see you. His, he got a revelation of God amid all that was happening 
in his life. He got a deeper revelation. Job is now talking with God in a personal way. He was having the God and me experience. You see, God so longs to have fellowship with us that he will do almost anything to get our attention. And sometimes he gets our attention through a lot of trouble that we are going through in our lives. And Job was having this kind of, in, of an encounter. He was having a deep. And he went on to say, he says, I know that you can do everything. You are above all else. And because you've created it all, I can see things differently. It was about me. You know, Job was saying, it was about me. While he was a righteous man, you can see that reading between the lines. It was about him. But then as time went on, it was about God and him. You see, it's not just about us. This life is not just about us. This life is about God and me. This life is about God and you. Can you say that with me? This life is about God and you. Say it again. This life is about God and you. It's not just about me. Many, many people live their lives in this way that it's just about me. It's all about me. If I experience some hardship in life, poor me. If I experience some losses in life, poor me. If I lost my girlfriend, poor me. If I lost my boyfriend, poor me. Where's God in the picture? That's the question we need to be asking. You see, more than your girlfriend and you and your boyfriend and you and, and your money and you and your occupation and you and this and that and you, it's about you and God and all of that. Because God needs to be included in everything in our lives. In all of our ways, we acknowledge Him. In all of our ways, in all of our living, in all of our struggles, we invite God into our struggle. We invite God into our lives. What a difference it makes when He is in our lives. The Apostle Paul was a man who had an encounter with God. But before he had an encounter with God, he was just doing his own thing. He was doing a religious thing, thinking he was pleasing God. But then he met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, and his whole life was changed. The passion of his life then became that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I need to know him. And Paul put it this way in Philippians chapter 3. He says, he said, he said this in the Living Bible. It goes like this. True believers have their life in the spirit. Let me say that again. True believers live their life in the spirit they have no confidence in the flesh. Religion won't cut it. All these things that I thought were worthwhile are really meaningless. That's what Paul is saying. And he says, I've thrown them all away. Everything else is worthless when compared to the priceless gain of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord. Wow. Somebody say amen. I have put everything else aside, counting it as worthless, 
as worth less than nothing in order that I might have Christ and become one with him, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. You see, we find no rest until we find rest in him. Find no hope until we find hope in him. We have no real knowledge without the knowledge of him. You see, Jesus and our relationship with him is where it is really at. We find no purpose, no value, no fulfillment. We are lost, we are grieving, we are tormented in our lives until we find him, until we know him. That's why Paul says that I may know him. It was the driving thing in his life. I want to know him. No matter who we are or where we are, God is there to meet us. Jonah found God in the belly of a whale. David found God in his despair, in his failure, in his losses, in his wanderings, and in his loneliness. The disciples on the road to Emmaus were so in despair because they thought their hero had now died and he, he's gone. We thought we could trust in him. Now he's in the grave and the resurrection had not yet taken place at that point. And they had left their jobs and their careers to follow this man. And now this. And then Jesus drew near. And they said, after Jesus disappeared, he said, Did not our hearts burn within us as he walked and talked with us by the way? You see, that's where it's, where it's all at. Life becomes meaningful. Some, the fire is lit with inside of us. And, and life is really, really at its best when Jesus is the center of our life and when we walk with him and talk with him. You see, it's about the God and me experience. Turn to somebody and say that. It's about the God and me experience. Amen. Jesus then ascended into heaven after that experience. And we know the story. The Bible tells us that he promised that the Holy Spirit would come. And when he ascended, he sent the Holy Spirit, which would mean that everybody could have a God and me experience. They could have a close encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ and have a meaningful relationship with him. That's where it's at, friends, this morning. We want to have a close relationship with God. And the disciples who experienced Pentecost, their lives were revolutionized. Their lives were, were set in order. Their priorities were set. And life became meaningful. And it was those people who turned the world upside down because of their experience. I want to tell, tell you a little bit about some of my personal experiences with the power of the Holy Spirit working in my life. Years ago, I was, I was preaching a message about our relationship with God and the Holy Spirit in a Sunday morning service. And there was a lady that was in the service that uh, never had an encounter with God or with the Holy Spirit. And 
rather than tell people, you know, you, you're going to experience all this here, I was led by, at that particular time, to encourage people to open themselves to the Spirit of God, ask God to fill them wherever they were so that they could have an encounter with God. And uh, this lady, who had a young child, was challenged by this. And the following, in the ensuing days, she was walking with her child, pushing the child in a stroller, and open to the Holy Spirit. She just said, God, I want everything you've got. I want to be filled with your Spirit. Because she knew there was a void in her life. Something was missing. And right there on the street, God powerfully met her. And she had an encounter with God. Uh, God and me experience that changed her life. She became a tremendous asset in the church after her encounter with God. Became a very effective Christian who walked with God. And I believe she still walks with God today. You see, God wants to come to us in many different places, many different ways anytime. Even driving your car, rather than get frustrated with traffic, say, this, this can be a God, God experience. Put in a good CD of worship and let the presence of God fill the car. And meet with God where you are, wherever you are. Have a God and me experience. And of course, coming to church is, of course, prime territory to experience the presence of God. And I love it here and love it in the house of God where people are worshiping God and we know there's the manifest presence of God that comes when people praise God. God says, I'll be there because he says, I dwell in the praises of my people. And that's, that's, that's all good. But you don't have to limit it to here. You can experience his presence tomorrow as... As you're living out your life and if you, as you have moments, you can have, have a God consciousness where, wherever you are. You know, Nehemiah, when, when, when he was in the midst of some major challenges, he was, he was relating to God in the midst of that. And he was like he was in the workplace. While he was doing his work, the presence of God is not a distraction. It's an assistance to us doing better work. But he was, he was communicating. He was communing with God in his spirit, from his spirit. And I challenge you in your life to put God so much at the forefront of your life that wherever you are and you have a moment uh, and, and there's some clear space and you're not dealing with people, but even, you know, many times when I'm dealing with a, an individual or with people, inside of my heart I am connecting with God and and trying to have that communion with God so that while I'm talking with that person, I can bring something of God into their situation or into their life. You see, the, the greatest kind of life is the life where we're having this God and me experience going on at all times, and, and we're walking with God. Just walking with God in our life. You can be driving your car. You can be walking on the street. I remember I was in one of the cities of Canada, and I was walking in the, on the street one day, and, 
and the Holy Spirit became so real and the presence of God was so powerful in my life that I will never forget that as long as I live. It's one of those God and me experiences. And I believe that God is so ready and so willing to meet us. And he wants to meet, he wants to be our friend. The Bible tells us that Abraham was a friend of God. He had that kind of relationship. And sometimes in the greatest of stresses in life, and difficulties in life is when we really need to have that God experience and be open to that God experience. A number of years ago, I was under great duress because we had just built a, a church building that cost us a lot of money. And I was over my head in debt, and the interest rates were 21.5%. And it was at that same time that we, because we had business involvements up to that point, that we uh, also realized the challenges of what happened as, as the market kind of crashed, especially around the real estate market and so on, and, and people were losing properties and going bankrupt everywhere. And uh, the bank said that they would give us a loan because we were into the construction. There's no way we could stop. And uh, the bank said, well, you know, we'll give you a loan if you give your house for equity. <laughs> and I thought, oh, Jesus, this is getting really tough. But then I was in a meeting where God was at work and the Holy Spirit came to me in such assurance and saying, I will give you many people and I will give you money. You can trust me. I had that God moment. It was one of those times I will never forget as long as I live. I thought, okay, Lord, I'll take it. And would you know, people began to come. Money began to come. Large amount of money became, came in. And we were able to bear that burden and not miss a beat. And at that very same time, we were launching missionaries into the world that would cost a lot of money and God enabled us to do all of that. We had um, a man who gave me a blank check so that we could purchase what we needed to purchase in a, a grand piano. And uh, another man called and said, you know, I, I, I haven't been giving to God, and he was a newer Christian. He said, I have money. I want to give, and it was many thousands of dollars for mission work. God provided for all of that, but I tell you, I was in despair. I thought we were going to lose it all. But when God is in it, it makes such a difference. It makes such a difference. Again and again, we saw the miracles of God take place. Because we walked with God and had this personal relationship with, with God in the midst of all that we were going through. We, we all face crushing experiences, very difficult experiences where there's nowhere way out except that we get God in our situation and we become personal with God and God becomes personal with us and He shows us that He can personally help us as individuals. 
We need that relationship. The cry of our hearts should be what Paul's heart cry was, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I want to know him. I want to know him. The God and me experience and conclusion often happens when we have nowhere else to turn other than to God. Or number two, it can happen when God chooses just to invade our lives. You know, no trouble happening, but it's just God comes in. Number three, it will be enhanced when we position ourselves to spend deliberate time with Him. And it is realized also when we choose to just walk with God. I'm challenging you here today. Walk with God. Take God everywhere with you. Include Him in all the plans of your life. Acquaint yourself with Him. You know, Job, through his experience, he had so much in the beginning that he had all the losses with finances, friends, family, just a loser all over, in every direction. But in the end, God gave him twice as much as he had in the beginning. And Job learned to walk with God. That's really what happened. So, Lord, our eyes are on you. Our hope is in you. We trust you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, but before I do that, let me just say something real quick. Is uh, I don't know if it's because I'm hungry, it's past lunchtime, I don't, I don't know if it's because uh, of what kind of mood I am in today, but you know, sometimes when I get hungry, I'll cook myself some dumplings. You guys make dumplings? It's where I take some, a big bag of dumplings from the freezer, maybe 15, 20 of them. They're all icy and frozen and cold. And I'll put a boiling pot of water on our stove and then I'll just watch the, the water boil, the fire underneath. And eventually as the water starts to boil, I'll, I'll eventually put these dumplings in there and I'll watch those dumplings, I'll stir those dumplings. And at some point, you know, those dumplings start to rise. They start to rise, they start to float. And, and why do I mention that today? Because I, I just, I sense this during the first service, and I, I sense it also right now in our 1130 service, is that, is that as you stand here in the presence of God, as you, as you, as you sit at the teaching of God's Word, that God is doing something beneath the surface of your life right now that is a deeper work than maybe you even know. And it's almost like there's this heat underneath your life right now. There's this, you just sense the Holy Spirit stirring in you under the surface right now. And if that's you, I'm, I'm here to tell you today that God wants you to experience Him. And the reason why we call it the God and me experience, and not just the God experience, but the God and me experience, is because it involves you. Turn your neighbor and say, it involves you. Is that just like a dumpling that's ice cold, you can throw it into that pot of water and just leave it there and nothing happens. That could be you. But otherwise, if you want to experience God today, it involves you. See, when, when, when you are here in this place right now, almost like those dumplings that are floating in the water. You know, I'll grab this big, this big spoon, I'll start picking them out one by one. They're not crying out, oh, Jamie, pick me, pick me. But I, I, I'm picking them out, each one. How many of us know that when it comes to God, He waits for you to say, God, pick me. God, would you pick me? God, would you pick me to be the one that you lift up? Would you pick me to be the one that, you, that gets to experience you today? And so if you're here in this place and you know you need to experience God, then with every head bowed, never eye closed, I'm going to invite you right now to lift your hands to God today. 
and just say, God, will you pick me to experience you? Will you pick me to experience you? I don't want to just be on the side. I don't just want to be a spectator. I don't want, I don't want to be some ice cold thing that just sits at the bottom of a pot. But I want to, I want to float to the surface. I want to rise up again. I want to experience your heat, you know, renewing and bringing life to me. And I want to experience you. If that's you, why don't you lift up your hands to God. Lift it high to heaven right now. I'm going to encourage you from your heart today to start to talk, start to, talk to God from your heart today. Because he is generous with his love. He wants you to experience him today. So why don't you lift up your hands to God. Let the height of your hands reflect how much you want him and how much you want to experience him and start talking to God in your own words right now. In your, in your, in your sickness, in your challenge, in your uncertainty, start calling on the name of Jesus right now. Start calling on him today. Say, God, pick me. I want to experience more of you. Start talking to God right now. Come on, church. Start talking to him in your own words. Start moving in the spirit right now. Start talking to him right now. Jesus, we thank you today. Jesus, we give you praise today. Lord, we welcome you today. Don't worry about your neighbor, what they're doing. You just focus on God right now. Holy Spirit, come. We welcome you right now. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. More of you, Lord Jesus. Your presence, God, just come right now. Your spirit, God, just come right now. Your healing, God, in Jesus' name, come right now. Jesus, your encouragement, come right now. Your promise, come right now. Your presence has come right now. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your name. Last thing we're going to do is we're going to pray for those of you who've never received Jesus Christ into your life before. If you've been to church before, but you've never opened up your heart to Jesus, or maybe... You know, you just, you know, you've heard about God's love, but you've never opened up your heart to his love. You've never said, God, I need you. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me my sins. The Bible says that if you want to see the kingdom of God, if you want to experience him, you need, it begins with being born again. And uh, here in this place, the Holy Spirit is here. Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. And if you've never opened up your heart to Jesus, we want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. Most amazing thing you could ever do is to open your heart to Jesus Christ. And so... You know, if you want to receive Jesus in this place, it's as simple as praying a prayer. I'm going to lead you in that prayer. I'm going to ask all those who prayed this prayer before to pray it again with those who are praying for the first time. Get ready, guys. Why don't you just pray this prayer with me right now and say, Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus, I thank you for how you died on the cross for me to pay for my sins so I could be forgiven, so I could have a relationship with you, so I could experience you. Your hope, your peace, your forgiveness, your joy, your purpose in my life. And so I welcome you, Lord. I open up my heart and say, Jesus, come into my life and make me a new person. Thank you, God. Starting today, I'm a child of God. Not because of what I've done, but because of what you have done. I thank you. And I proclaim, the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now. Praise God. God, we thank you that there's no rival. There's no equal compared to you. And would you forgive us in those times when we worship something much smaller than you? and forgotten that there's a God who's much, much bigger than our problem, much, much bigger than whatever challenge we face. 
Thank you, Jesus, that you are generous with how you let us experience you, that you don't just pick a couple people to experience you, but that as wide as we open our heart, you're as willing to give us an experience of your love. And I pray for every single person here. I pray, Father God, that they will experience more and more of you here in church, on their own, in the car, in their, in their room, wherever they may be, in their relationships, that God, that we experience you more and more and find that because you are in our lives, life is good, God is good, and the best is yet to come. We thank you and we give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. One more time, give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now. Praise God. Come on, if you're gonna